welcome to Queering Little Women, a podcast about Meg March who experiences an exorbitant amount of sexism and slut shaming. <laughs> this is chapter nine. Meg goes to Vanity Fair. Welcome to Queering Little Women. I'm Maggie. And I'm Joe. This is chapter nine. Meg goes to Vanity Fair. In this chapter, <clears throat> Meg is thrown headfirst into the wide world of class and sexual politics. Lori shows up and doesn't exactly help. Then Meg goes home and talks it over with Marmy and Joe. Like Meg fesses shamefully to Fesses shamefully for just being a person. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, I love that it opens up with Meg just celebrating other people's misfortune. Good thing those kids have the measles, Meg says. Fair. Oh, right. <laughs> cool. Yep, that's great. Um, I love that Joe's possessions were referred to as dilapidated. Adorable. Excellent. I identify that word. with that. I identify dilapidated. I also loved the image of uh, them packing everything and Amy brooding over it. I know that Amy... <laughs> Which is the second use of the word brooding in this book, because Beth broods in over like her oh, own happiness. Right. You thought she was a vampire. I did, and now I see that maybe that's just a word that was used more back then. That they brood. Amy's she's, just brooding over she's the beauty. Just like, I imagine her like sort of sitting next to the open trunk and, and like, being, like <laughs> kind of like a witch would sit over like a cauldron. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? I want all of these things. Adorable. Oh, Amy. So, low-cut necks were really the fashion at this Mm, time. Good to know. It was very the fashion, and there was also lots of other annotations about the fashion Mm. and about all of the different other things. I know, I was wanting that because I was like, what's a tarlatan, what's a poplin? A tarlatan, I think, is a kind of fabric. Sure, I could tell that, but I was like, I don't know what... I feel like there's connotations to these fabrics, and it's sure. like, oh, you can't wear your poplin because mm-hmm. other girls are wearing thin dresses. It's like, oh, I guess maybe thin dresses are more stylish. I don't know. Right. Well, and there was lots of other things about like, oh, well, your dress is too soft or too flat or something, and it's mm. because apparently dresses were supposed to be really stiff and firm, and if it was Weird. like, I know, so if it was very firm, then it meant you were better or something like that. I don't know. Lots of annotations about fashion. If people want to know about it, write me. Or by the annotated version, that would maybe be easier. Um, Probably not. I'm pretty accessible. I underlined. <laughs> <laughs> I underlined that mother said real flowers were the prettiest ornament for a young girl because somehow that line like really just like stuck in my memory my yeah. whole life, and I've always just been like, really? oh, I should just wear flowers on my hair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't should. know. I just believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Meg and the umbrella. And I know. <laughs> I just feel her so hard on this. Oh my god. Of being pulled in this, like, I really, because she's being pulled between this, like, Amy style of, like, I'm going to try to have all the nice things and this Marmy style of, like, self-abnegation. Uh-huh. You know? And I just, I just, like, super feel that. That it's, like, I, I'm, I'm going to complain about this and I really wanted the pretty parasol, but then someone's, like, get the other parasol. And she's, like, no, that's silly. It's a nonsensical <laughs> notion and I won't indulge myself in it. I'm just, like, that's me all over. Yeah. She's pretty great. So there's all sorts of stuff in here about class. 
Mm-hmm. Like, um, right, because this is like Meg going to be with the fancy people. Right. And, and she says, I wonder if I shall ever be happy enough to have real lace. Mm. Meg, like, so that means wealth equals happiness. Uh-huh. I mean, later she sort of backpedals on that comment and is like, no, 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 like, you know, but still it's just kind of like, yeah. I don't know. But I love that then Beth comes back with, you said the other day you'd be perfectly happy right. if you could only go to Annie Moffat's. And right. that's kind of, I like Beth kind of getting a little thing in there. Beth is so good. And then Meg says something about the more one gets, the more one wants. Mm. And I actually recently saw an article on Facebook that I didn't read it, but I looked at the title of it. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about how people of lower classes tend to give more. Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of research on that, that in terms of like people who are wealthier will like be more likely to, like if you have a bowl of candy out during the experiment and you tell them like, oh, you know, um, you can have one of these, but we're saving them for some kids who are coming by later. Like, working class people will either not take any, or they'll take one in front of, like, while the other person is there. And, like, wealthier people will not take them in front of the other person, but then after they leave, will, like, take several. Huh. More like I mean, not, like, every single person, but more likely. There's, like, all these different things that show, like, that if you're wealthier, you're more likely to share less and take more for yourself. Wow. Right? It's like kind of... Yeah. So, I mean, I wrote the more that one gets, the more that one wants, and the less that one gives. That's what I added. Ah, mm-hmm. The less that one gives, which is sad, which is why we need to radically redistribute wealth together, that's, Maggie. M- that's the thing that Joe wants me to do. Yeah. So. You're working on it. So then it goes down to describing the Moffats and that uh, Maggie's going to this stylish place. They're kindly people in spite of the frivolous life. Yeah, I wrote that down. And And they're not particularly cultivated or intelligent. I know. And I just, like, okay, this made me feel so many feelings. Because it's like, you're constantly holier than thou in some sort of way. Mm -hmm. Right? So either you have all these things and you're a fucking idiot. Or you have nothing, but you're so loving and you're so pious and you're so all of these things. And And cultivated and intelligent, which are also class. There's, like, sort of the, like, class thing in terms of, like, your good breeding and your manners and, like, being. There's sort of, like, class things cutting both ways, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I just thought it was, like, so weird and judgmental of Meg to be like, oh, these people are stupid. And, mm-hmm. uh, ju- but they're, but they are so, but I want to hang out with them, even though they're stupid, because they have pretty dresses, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I noticed Marmy saying things like, the, or maybe it was Meg. Yeah, it was Meg. The more she saw of Annie Moffat's pretty things, the more she envied her and sighed to be rich. Mm-hmm. And that just reminded me of, um, there was a This American Life episode not that long ago that was about two schools in the same city, oh, not yeah. very far apart, and like what it was like for the kids from like the underfunded public school to go and visit this like wealthy private school and just like how much like justified anger a lot of them felt because you may not even know the kinds of privileges that other people are getting and then when you see them it can make you angry pretty mad yeah yeah Yeah. i mean this is a different situation because it's just maybe about clothes but it's probably about more than that also well and i also think that it was um there's a line that says meg was rather daunted at first by the splendor of the house and i found that to be a little surprising because meg is the one who's constantly lamenting over how we used to be rich and how wonderful it was when we used to be rich. And so you would think that if she has this sort of memory and this familiarity Mm. with that, that she wouldn't be so in awe when she saw what she used to have, she would feel like she would probably feel entitled to it. Mm. You know, I've, I recently did a classism training and they talk about how 
um, you are the class that you feel like you are or what you feel like you're entitled to, et cetera, is sort of ingrained in you from birth to 12. And so I would imagine that that's part of the reason why Meg struggles with this more mm-hmm. than the other children, because she feels like she is this class that there aren't anymore. Mm-hmm. And so she feels like she's entitled to these things or she should have these things that she's not getting because now her, you know, her family can't get it, can't afford it. Although I think her class is a little more complicated because they say, like, she's the only one that remembers the, like, time when... Which I don't really understand because Joe is only one year year younger younger than her. Yeah. So I feel like probably they lost their money when she was, like, six or five or something. So I feel like her, even before she was 12... I'm not sure because they say that they just moved to this house that they're in now. Which makes it seem like they just lost the money... Sort of, or they could have lived in different houses. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. There's just something about it Mm -hmm. that feels like it's a little bit more recent, but Mm -hmm. it's unclear because it's vague and everything about father is vague and annoying. Right. Anyway, that's an interesting point about her childhood experiences informing like what she feels like as her class. Right. And it's also interesting to me that she thinks that these rich people are so stupid, and yet she still wants to be one. You know, she still has. Well, because she would be the better kind of rich people. Because I feel like this book is like, yeah, there's like the good rich people, which is the Lawrences. And they're like, they have everything, they have money, and but they have this like good breeding or whatever, and so we're not supposed to envy them their money or resent them in any way, we're just supposed to think that they're great. I don't know that it's about breeding, though, I think it's more about charity. Mm, But there's also this like cultivated and intelligent, right? And I feel like that's not about charity, that's about like, like cultivated, don't you think that's about having read the right books and like learned the right things? Sure. I definitely think it's also about sort of their, like, piety and holiness and goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I think. It, well, because that's the sort of, I mean, there's no Christ in this book, but that's still <laughs> the sort of root, the underlying river yeah. that flows underneath this entire book yeah. is shaming if you're not perfect, like, and no progress. progress. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I want to tell you something funny. Yes. So, uh, they talk in French a lot in this chapter, uh-huh. and the annotation says, in 19th century America, France represented a culture of looser morals, especially in sexual relationships. Mm, racy. Yeah. So every time they used French now, like it's a after I read that, it sexual. was like, it's, yes, this, which sort of plays into these like really low cut, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, corset, you know, dresses and this mm-hmm. sort of, um, you know, the champagne and the sort of frivolousness sure, of sure. whatever, yeah. um, to me, sort of represents, or, or if that was illuminated by that mm-hmm. um, annotation for me. I love that they call her Daisy. Yeah, which is what she named her daughter. Oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. No, because yeah. I think Daisy is just a nickname for Margaret. So I think she named her daughter Margaret after... After Marmee. Who she is also named after. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they call her Daisy, yes. Yeah, I, I thought that it was really uh, laying it on pretty thick which Meg has a tendency to do from time to time um, <laughs> that she was a very destitute and much injured girl <laughs> very destitute and much injured it's like that yeah. see that's like the little bit of Amy and it's a, yeah, yeah yeah oh also there was an annotation about um there's this part about how one of the girls because she has the sort of dowdy dress on or whatever and then they um, are like trying to think of things to compliment her mm-hmm. on or whatever. Mm-hmm. And one of them 
praised her white arms. <laughs> Did you read that? Did yeah. you, were you like, what the fuck does that mean? I guess because she doesn't have a tan. No, yeah, apparently, because um, there's an annotation that says that unblemished white skin was fashionable during this time. Tan skin was frowned upon by ladies as it was yeah, usually like a sign a of, of working class. Exactly, if we're having thus, to work outdoors. Thus, ladies often avoided the sun. So yeah. I think that's that's both racist and classic. Absolutely. Yeah, and it was Absolutely. just like kind of interesting that they're like the whiteness. Well, yeah, we'll praise your whiteness. Isn't mm-hmm. that so great? It's like Snow White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we have Annie Moffat raising an eyebrow at the stars from Lori and starting that oh, whole the rumor thread. Okay, I just have to maybe this is jumping ahead a yeah. little bit, mm-hmm. but I just have to say that thrice they refer to Meg as a doll. I know, I know. And Meg even refers to herself as I a doll. Know. I'm super. I okay. So let's get into that because it's really gross. Yeah, and I but I think that that's like what to me what this chapter is about is like what do you do as because that's what where, how I see Meg mm-hmm. is this person who's like what do you do when you're a woman and you're trying to fit into society and they you know the other other sisters are also like that but somehow I, I don't know I feel like for Meg there's more like complicated tension around it where like Amy would just be like yep I'm gonna wear a pretty dress and get complimented and that'll be fun mm. and Meg is like I think she's feeling some of the grossness of the objectification. She's like, oh, somebody's calling me a doll, and it's kind of fun that I'm getting attention, and I feel pretty, and it kind of feels gross and doesn't feel like exactly the kind of attention that I want. Like, I think she's, she feels complicated about this whole experience. Yeah. You know, and she's, like, pissed when Laurie tries to come in and slut shame her. She's like, well, no, I like being dressed up like this. But then at the same time, she's like, no, I'm not Meg, I'm a doll. And it's like, you know that that's sort of like a... I don't think she means that in earnest. I think she means that as, like, it's slutty Halloween and I can do what I want. You know, this sort of, like, Mm -hmm. I know what you think of me and I can't argue against it, so I'm going to claim it and pretend that I'm okay with it, I guess. Mm. That's how I see it. I also, I I was sort of surprised when, I was surprised when she said that because she had just sort of, like, had this heart-to-heart with Lori while she was sticking her face up against the glass. And it seemed to me like she was like, kind of get me out of here. I don't want to be doing this. I'm ashamed of myself, all this stuff. And then Lori kind of goes over to her and his, you know, acting like a big brother or a brother or whatever Mm -hmm. and says, basically, I think he's warning her because he probably knows that she doesn't know about champagne. He doesn't know that it's going to make her feel like crap, you know? And Mm -hmm. so he's kind of like saying, well, be careful with that. And she's just like, fuck you, even though we just had this conversation and I just swore you to secrecy so you don't tell my family about this like I'm gonna be this like whatever and then she takes on that doll label which I think that she was offended by before and it's kind of like I do think she's offended by it but then she takes it but on I think and because like, I think that I think Laura's being elder brotherly in like a totally patriarchal sense and he's like I know what's best for you and I'm protecting you from this thing and she's like I'm interested in this thing like I think she's offended by being a doll but I think she likes being called pretty and getting attention and being dressed up. And she probably likes being sexual, right? She probably has some interest in, you know, one of the things she confesses to Marnie later is flirting and she's getting compliments from men, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that's like, like I just identify with this hardcore that it's like so rare in life to like have sexual attention that doesn't feel like it comes with like heavily laced with objectification. And I think that's exactly what's happening is that she's like, 
she's dressed up, she's pretty, her breasts are, you know, she's wearing a low-cut dress, she's exposed in some way, and it feels fun, and it feels gross at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you're like, this is fun or interesting or new or different and I want to experiment with it and you're telling me that to do so means that I'm a doll, well then fine, I'm a doll and I'm not Megan, I'm a doll and I can do crazy shit and it's not me because I feel like it's like, I just feel like it's really confusing and you have to like, sometimes you, you do, you objectify yourself because you're like, that's what a sexy woman is, is a sex object and so that's what I am. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel I feel a lot of feelings. I feel yeah. a lot of deep pain. I can see you associated with this chapter. Wow, it's intense, and I, I just feel confused about the whole thing. And everything's like, ugh, yeah, she's nothing but a doll tonight. They're making a fool of that little girl. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that they're being entirely fair to her when they're saying those things. And also, it's about it's like about not escaping from her own persona that she's not Meg tonight. I'm a doll who does all sorts of crazy things. And later, it says she feels as if she had been to a masquerade. Mm-hmm. and hadn't enjoyed herself as much as she expected but that's also about like she's like trying on a character mm-hmm. yeah and I do think I mean I have a note about the war- wardrobe suited for a poor man's daughter because when she's convincing herself to mm-hmm. uh, become a doll essentially <laughs> she's like oh well no I've got this wardrobe suited for a poor man's daughter and it's this it's something we've talked about before where you're constantly comparing yourself up you're never mm-hmm. comparing yourself and mm-hmm. I think that that's not just a class thing I sure. think that's an everything thing sure but that you're constantly comparing about people that have have more than you it's most easily quantifiable in class mm-hmm. but it's the same thing with whatever you right. know people if you perceive people as more attractive than you right or they have something that you want that you don't mm-hmm. have it's like a envy thing I think but it's also and an obliviousness to your own privilege right and then I think also like let's think about this a little bit deeper because so now we have um Sally and Belle who Mm -hmm. are dressing her up and Mm -hmm. making her this doll and they Mm -hmm. make her this pet and they play Mm -hmm. with her and they like whatever and it's this kind of like well like this pity sort of look down on Mm -hmm. you sort of savior complex sure sure Mm -hmm. and how is that different from what the March family does to the Hummel. Sure, it's not. That's how. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So it's the same thing. It's that, like, when you think that you're better than someone, now I can help some poor people that are Mm -hmm. worse off than Mm -hmm. me. And I feel great about it. Right. And when you're on the recipient of that kind of pity, it It feels feels kind of crappy. Yeah. Yeah. And and where is that sort of consciousness of that with Mm -hmm. Meg? I don't see it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't see her thinking, like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be so, like, annoying and patronizing to people that have less than me. It's like, no, just throw the limes to the asshole little Irish chick. Okay, that was Amy, not Meg. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think Meg has necessarily gotten that lesson, but I think it's good that we as readers are able to. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about a couple things. Okay. So one is that I think it's very interesting that Meg refers to Lori and the March siblings mm-hmm. as uh, we children. I know. Well, because she's trying to be like, no, there's nothing sexy going on here. We're just little kids and we play together. So what what it made me think about is um, I also love the book Anne of Green Gables, mm-hmm. as you know. And in that book, which is written, which was published about 40 years, 60 years after this one. Okay. It's like Anne becomes like a teacher, like a school teacher when she's 16. Sure. I mean, which Meg basically is, right? Meg has a job. Meg is basically an adult. But it's just this like perception of like what it means to be an adult. Because Anne in, you know, and maybe it's because it's Prince Edward Island instead Mm -hmm. of like this fancy suburb of Boston. Mm -hmm. But like that it's 
this like you're an adult now and you can like date people and get married because you're Mm -hmm. and like have babies when you're 15 versus Mm -hmm. like this concept of like what it means to be a child and where is that sort of threshold for like adult versus child because I feel like Marmy is still like grasping at trying to hold that in as long as she can the book thinks it's good for children to be children I feel like that even Joe even says that at some point children should be children as long as they can I think that's like one of the claims of this book Mm mm-hmm um, yeah. And I think that they don't, what they don't really have is like a category of adolescent or teenager that we have in our culture. And so I think that that's part of it is that you're either like a child or an adult for them. Well, and maybe that's part of the way. reason why this book was such a, a hit was because it it's is a about coming that of age transition. story, yeah. you know? From and childhood to adult. Yeah, totally. Also, I just want to say that Lou Alcott might be slightly fat phobic because the several times comment. Mrs. Moffat is referred to as fat and and Lou has referred to other people as fat, which I'm like, maybe it's... The first time in this chapter, I was like, oh, that's cool. It's a neutral reference sure. to fatness. It's like, kind of like he was too. fat and happy and she was fat and happy. Right. But, but then, then the, like, it was like an lumbering elephant, in like an elephant. Yeah, an elephant in silk and that, lace. Yeah, that pissed me that off. That was just like, no, no, too far, too far, Lou. I don't like that. Yeah, me neither. Um, bullshit. Okay, so I also like that when they make, um, I didn't like it, but I made a note of it, that when they make Meg this doll. Mm-hmm. They, okay, I just want to say they do not make Meg a doll. Meg stays a person. <laughs> they, maybe we could say objectify Meg. When they objectify Meg. Mm-hmm. Um, they say they turned Meg into a fine lady. Mm-hmm. And I just wrote, was she a dumpy man before that? Like, I don't know. No, like, a lady is like a class marker. Well, but I wasn't sure if it was a class marker or if it was some sort of other, like, frumpy gender thing. I feel too. like it's like she's a lady instead of just an ordinary woman. That's how I read Maybe. it. Maybe. Maybe. But it wasn't clear. It was sure. like, could be either. Sure. Also, I just want to say Lou Alcott fucking hates corsets <laughs> right and meg is like having a side ache and this dress is too like, tight the whole time like the whole time meg is yeah, complaining totally. about the corsets and and lou alcott like actually did fucking hate corsets sure yeah and did all of this like lou lobbying was like, yeah stuff involved in that corsets. political like, movement really hated That's corsets cool. yeah yeah it was pretty cool and it was also like you know, it was just so obvious to me because yeah. throughout the chapter several times it's like Meg can't breathe, Meg's in pain, Meg's yeah. ribs are bruised, yeah. like yeah. Meg, you know, like of she, she can't laugh, she can't move, she's not she's yeah. not sure if she's gonna be able to stand up. And, and it's like yikes. Um I only realized like a few years ago that basically people still wear corsets. Like, it's called shapewear, but, like, oh, yeah. people still wear full-body squeezing garments. Sure. Well, and, you know, the other thing I and thought I'm mad about that. this, yeah. like, corset versus binder. Whoa. Because it's, like, I know for me as a person that occasionally wears a binder that I hurt. Yeah. And a lot of the time I don't wear a binder because I feel like I have two decisions, like feel good about the way that I look and present in the world and uh-huh. feel like I might be slightly more validated from the outside world and be like in slightly less like emotional pain right, right. or be in horrific physical right, pain right, right, right. or like don't be in horrific physical pain, but be in emotional yeah, pain, Yeah. you know? And it's like, I feel like That's I have to choose which one super, all the time Yeah. when I'm getting dressed or when I'm going to different events or whatever. And what sucks is that like, when I'm not in queer space, I feel like I'm not getting validated regardless of whether or not I wear a binder. Oh. 
So to me, I'm just like most of the time I just decide, well, fuck it. I'm just not going to wear a binder because yeah. I'm not going to get validated anywhere and, anyway. And then when I am in queer spaces, it doesn't matter if I wear a binder sure, or not. Sure. So for me, I'm just like, well, why am I going to wear a binder? You know, like uh-huh. it's not it's not worth it for me because it hurts me so much. But yeah. sometimes I still do do it. Yeah. You know, and it, I think it could easily be compared to sure. corsets and the women same thing in that age, like wanting a way a way that you want to be perceived by other people, and the sort of like <clears throat> expectation of what it is you're supposed to right. look like right. or it's supposed to right. be like or mm-hmm. whatever. And I think that yeah. I think that binary gender is a lot of you know it it, it hurts. Yeah. Physically and emotionally hurts. It hurts. Yeah. It harms. Yeah. I love you. I love you too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I just want to say that Meg is a human, not a doll. Thank you. You're welcome. I agree with you. <laughs> um, and oh. I just think, she, yeah, I just think she's in a lot of emotional pain too. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's really hard. I also, there was this, like, do you, do you maybe want to read this little oh, section? Oh, yeah, to be Meg. Because, um, yeah, so you could be Meg, because I thought that this was a really awkward class conversation that happened. What shall you wear, asked Sally. My old white one again, if I can mend it fit to be seen. It got sadly torn last night, said Meg, trying to speak quite easily, but feeling very uncomfortable. I don't know why you don't send home for another, said Sally, who was not an observing young lady. I haven't got any other. It cost Meg an effort to say that, but Sally did not see it and exclaimed in amiable surprise. Oh, that? Only that? How funny. She did not finish her speech, for Belle shook her head at her, and she broke in, saying kindly, Not at all. Where is the use of having lots of dresses when she isn't out? There's no need of sending home, Daisy, even if you have had a dozen, for I've got a sweet blue silk laid away, which I've outgrown, and you shall wear to please me, won't you, dear? You are very kind, but I don't mind my old dress if you don't. It's well enough for a little girl like me, said Meg. (laughs) Now, do let please myself by dressing you up in style. (laughs) There's so much I can say about all of this. I admire to do it, and you'd be a regular little beauty with a touch here and there. I shan't let anyone see you until you're done, and then we'll burst upon them like Cinderella and her godmother going to a ball, said Belle in a persuasive tone. Okay, so the the Cinderella thing is really laying it on a bit thick. But it's also like Cinderella is this poor little dirty girl that then becomes a princess, Uh you know? Uh So it's... Like, kind of pointed. Yeah. Not exactly. All, all of this is pointed. Sure. It's so, like, and the that it's completely not deconstructed in any way by mm-hmm. anyone that's speaking, including me. Mm-hmm. You know? And the, the very thing like, oh, it's good enough for me. I'm a, li- a little girl like me. Oh, it's just, oh, no. I'm mm-hmm. just, you know, like, that's just no good. And then what's-her-face is just like, oh, just get another dress. It's no big deal. Like, mm-hmm. like Jesus has no having idea. some sort of awareness. I, know, I love that. <laughs> Sally, who was not an observant young lady. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Right, right. Okay, here's something that might make you laugh. So there's a quote in here that I thought was just so, so mm-hmm. that's what she said. <laughs> that I wrote it down and I wrote it <laughs> Come on. So Meg says, <laughs> I'm afraid to go down. I feel so... <laughs> I feel so queer and stiff <laughs> and half-dressed. <laughs> okay, thank you. You're welcome. I was not expecting to like it when I knew it was going to be a that's what she said, but that is funny. I know. I just wrote, come on. Because I was just like, to go down. I'm afraid. Because like, I feel so queer. Every single part and of stiff. that. 
amazing okay anyway um so then she does go down and then it shits weird down there and everybody has opinions about her behavior and her appearance and there's gossip about whether people who she's gonna get married to and she's just like i don't know what to do with this bullshit but i kind of want to get drunk and make out with boys but i'm not allowed yeah, well, and I think there, there's this other thing that's, like, uh, we've talked about this before with Meg feeling like she needs to be externally validated. Yep. And there's this sort of reference to a mirror, and then, like, the other people are the mirror, yeah. and Lori is the mirror in a way. Yeah. Um, and it's just this, like... Um, yeah, she's just, like, totally swept up in every... There's so many different people with different opinions about her, and, and that's just, like scary and disorienting I think Mm -hmm. because she's like I'm just trying to please people and different people want different things and I can't please everyone what am I going to do right 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 yeah poor Um, baby I just wish she could have some have some fun and dance and wear a low-cut dress and not have to feel like that was like shameful and not have to feel everybody's eyes on her I know and calling her a doll and she then she says at one point that the that the dress is the plague of her life (laughs) <laughs> which which I thought I, I remember earlier in an earlier chapter she said she her chief trouble was poverty and so <laughs> I just thought She's that we got some hyperbole it was just so but like side by side her chief trouble is poverty and mm. now she's plagued by this fancy dress totally, so really like totally. which do you really yeah, want yeah, yeah she doesn't really know I also thought Marmy was a little judgmental with the ill-bred comment what of is, course what does that mean and the um also, twice saying you have to be the right kind of rich people. But twice she also Marmy says something about unmaidenly things, and I'm just kind of slutty. wondering. Unmaidenly and just change that to slutty. Oh, really? I think so, because maiden means virgin. Oh, yeah. So like French. Yeah. So like <laughs> like speaking French is kind of unmaidenly. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> And flirting and drinking champagne and wearing a low-cut dress and probably wearing a corset. There was also a comment that one of the Moffats or the old lady, I think Mrs. Moffat, Mm -hmm. um, said something about, like, they were one of our first families. Oh, I know. What does that mean? It means, like, it means they're, like, old money. Like, don't worry. She doesn't have a lot of money, but she has a lot of class privilege. It's, like, first families, like, they're the, I guess, like, that they've been living there the longest. And they're, like, the most waspy and came over the most on the Mayflower or whatever. Oh. And then, because I just immediately thought of the president. You know, no, no, it's like (laughs) I was like, this doesn't make any sense, and there was no annotation about it. I was like, why aren't you explaining? It means like the highest, the most, so they're like top of the top socialite could still be in the DAR. But yeah, they could be (laughs) in the DAR. (laughs) But reverses of fortune, you know. Oh, sure. Sad. They don't have money, but don't worry, they're under it all. They have the same innate betterness that we Uh have. Lori speaks a little French. Slutty Lori, that's yep. cool. Well, he grew up in Italy, so it's close that's by. Legit. That's legit. Um, and then she goes home and she wants to fess to Marmy. Yeah, she And I like it. that Marmy, okay, I like when Marmy says, learn to know and value the praise which is worth having and to excite admiration of excellent people by being modest as well as pretty Meg. I like feel both ways about that. Because mm-hmm. I think that it's like, it's sort of like, okay, Meg, work with what you have. Like, I, I know you and you're motivated by what other people think of you. So, given that limitation, Mm -hmm. (laughs) pick people that have good judgment and try to impress them. Sure, (laughs) sure. And I was thinking about the Enneagram. Are you into Uh the Enneagram? Um, And I wrote that Meg is a self-preservation three. (laughs) (laughs) 
because that's <laughs> being motivated by other people's perception of you, but instead of striving for, like, success, you, like, strive to be a good person, and you specifically, like, fight against your own vanity. This is what I read in the book that Kyla has right now. Hmm. I think I might be an Enneagram self-preservation three. I see. So, <laughs> probably Megas, too. Just to guess. What do you think about what Marmy says about to be loved and chosen by a good man Ugh, is the best and sweetest thing which can happen to bleh, a woman? Bleh, and I sincerely bleh, hope my girls may know bleh, this beautiful bleh, experience. Bleh. Okay, maybe, maybe be charitable. Maybe she's talking about orgasms. <laughs> beautiful experience. No. Um, I mean, I do think love is a beautiful experience. Sure, and if sure, you're a straight sure, person sure. and you want to have love sure. with a but man, what, Okay, what I don't like fine. is to be loved and chosen, this passive. There's no, like, not to love a good man and yeah. win his love, to, you know, to find... There's, It's just like, if, if you're so lucky that you stand around long enough and a good man comes and loves you and chooses you. Yeah. And it's like, did you get to choose, asshole? Right. That's what I think about Right, that. and it's sort of this, like, sets up this kind of, like... I want to say like rape culture almost. It's oh, like yeah. Kind of like you're just supposed to take it, or you asked for it, you're, or it's like just like waiting it's around. Not your fault. Like it's not. You know, ugh, it just feels gross to me. I think it's too passive, and I think um, it's also like there maybe there are other really beautiful experiences, and maybe some of your daughters are gonna love and be chosen by other kinds of people, not just men. There's a bunch of stuff, too, about Lou in, um, in the annotation. There's a very long annotation, which is the one that then talks about Lou um, saying that he's transgender. Yeah, I that. think we should just go ahead and start using male pronouns for Lou. Because we had been avoiding, we had been just using Lou or gender-neutral pronouns for Lou because we were like, that's a person, and we don't want to just, like, make assumptions. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we I now have it in Lou's own words. Yeah, I mean, I'm more than half persuaded that I'm a man. I'm a man's soul put by some freak of nature into a woman's body. So do you think that Lou would find it validating for us to use he him pronouns for Lou? I guess. Maybe Lou would just find it weird because Lou would be like, what? This is outside my experience. I never heard of that. But do you think Lou has reincarnated into like a daisy or like a tree or like a dog or another human (laughs) by now? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe Lou is is one of our listeners. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you think you are Lou Alcott reincarnated, please let us know what your pronouns are. <laughs> we'll be happy we to honor that. respect and honor that. Yeah. <laughs> there are several other, there's this long annotation that talks about how Lou um, has a tendency to sort of challenge this idea that a woman needs to be with a man. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Because Lou themselves was a spinster, I guess, mm-hmm. right, right, right. say. So... And we do get to that, because Marmy does say, in the end, better to be happy old mates than unhappy wives. Sure. Or and that's wives. sort of foreshadowing, too, because right. Meg ends up marrying the poor guy and then has that drama with the dress. Meg <laughs> <laughs> has so much dress drama. <laughs> well, it's her, what is it, her chief trouble? It's her chief, or er, her plague of her life. The plague of her life. Okay, yeah, I, I think it's nice that Marmy says it's okay to be single, but it's also sad that that means you it's have kind to of stay a, at home forever. It's and, kind of an afterthought for her to yeah. say that, too. And I think it's just, I think that it's really more Lou validating themselves sure. and their own decision. There is a thing, okay, there's some stuff coming later in the book that's all about, that's like Lou breaks in and says some shit about how you should treat unmarried older women. Sweet. 
Okay, one other thing I wanted to highlight, this is my last really important point. Joe felt as if during that fortnight, his sister had grown up amazingly and was drifting away from him into a world where he could not follow. Oh yeah, I wrote that down too. And I feel like that is, like the first half of Little Women, that is like the central thing that's happening, is that Joe is just like, where are you all going? I wanted to stay a kid, I wanted to stay a nuclear family with you here. And you all are growing up or in bed. Well, and I thought that... Jeez. I also thought that that was a statement on Lou being trans. Both, both. It's like you're going into... You're going into this world of, like, fine things and dresses and, like, sex with boys and, like, showing your tits and all of this stuff. And, like, I'm (laughs) I'm never going to do do that. that. And so, like, you're... And you're... I can see you sort of dipping your toe into that water, and I want nothing to do with that, and I'm, like, foreseeing that I'm going to have to say goodbye to you because you're going to go into this world that I have no interest in and that I that I don't fit in, that I will never fit in. Yeah. You know? And it's so, it's sad. It's, yeah. it's like, hard and sad, and, you know, I I just want to hug Joe. I know. You can. <laughs> just give Joe a big hug. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like I, like, have several different friends who are, like, young people, like my friend's kids or people that I've lived with before. Mm-hmm. In particular, I was very close with and lived with um, a brother and sister and their mom, and just, like, as they have gone through puberty, it's been so interesting how, like, because I'm, like, a woman and I have a pretty strong femme identity. And, like, there's a way that for children, gender is, like, less salient sometimes. I mean, yeah. in a way. Yeah. And then, like, as the, like, older sister went through puberty, it felt like she was, like, moving towards me, you mm. know? And as the younger brother who is, like, very close with me, like, we, you know, we say we're, like, soul brother and soul sister. We, like, love each other so much. But as he's been going through puberty, it's been sad for me and and like there's been this feeling that like the tendency mm. is that 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 is like moving him away from me mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and I feel like that's interesting and I wonder like did my dad feel that way like when mm. I went through puberty did it feel like I was moving mm. away from him or you know I, I recently listened to a podcast where they talk about women in menstruation and how like we go through these cycles and that like being a woman that menstruates is like one cycle and that mm-hmm. what you're doing is some people, instead of calling it menopause, they call it the return because Whoa. you're returning to to, the, to not having that right and the person that you were here. before that and Dude. what and the, maybe the feelings and the sort of whatever that you Whoa. had when you were a child. Whoa! And I just thought that was that such makes a, me feel so much more hopeful about like my life. And I think that there's like when you. I don't know. I, I mean, I hang out with a lot of women that are older than me okay. and that are like menopausal or postmenopausal, and I feel like there's there's like something in that that they have or that they know or that they interesting something because they've they've returned. Wow, they've returned and this and is blowing my mind. And I had this person once too when I was talking about top surgery with mm-hmm. this person who had top surgery, and he was saying to me like, I had to realize that I was not born with these breasts. Whoa. That like that, that they grew, but that I was not born yeah, with them. That's so true. And Whoa. so like they like so it's okay to yeah. let it go, you know. Yeah. So I think that that's oh, just I another have feelings about that. Yeah, I have a lot of feelings about a lot of. Stuff. Oh my gosh, we should have a puberty special sometime. <laughs> okay, well that's kind of what this whole book is. It's a kind of what this special, whole podcast. But I just feel like we feelings. need to get really deep into our feelings about puberty in our bodies at some point. About hormones and how they and hormones and how, how they they, they oppress us. Like a couple weeks ago, I got really 
fucking angry uh-huh. because I was feeling like I don't have control over my body and like emotions and feelings and things that I have that happen in my body are because like I am oppressed by these specific kinds of hormones Whoa. and Whoa. that like I feel like I don't have control and I feel like there's nothing I can do or little that I That's can do about scary. it and it's like it's just like really like it got yeah. me in this like lonely spiral of just like sadness and helplessness and like yeah. anger and exhaustion yeah. you know and it's like what can we like I don't because it's like the choices that I have are are permanent like, yeah. the only choices that I have are permanent choices. Whoa. And then that, or there are choices that put more different hormones right, into my body. Right, right, right. You know, mm-hmm. some of those being, uh, causing permanent things, some of them right, not. Right, You know, and it's just like, well, is there a non-hormonal, non, like, less permanent yeah. solution for me yeah. that, and, and right now, no, there yeah. is not. So then, what do I do? I do the dance with the binder. Binder dance. Yeah, and I queer a little one. And her, we just have to queer more shit. I know, let's queer everything. Okay. okay. Well, this has been Queer Little Women. Oh, sorry, you got heavy there at the end. No, I'm not sorry, sorry guys. It's beautiful. Okay, great. I'm, Remember I'm when Marnie's vulnerability makes Joe feel better? Somewhere out there, there's somebody who's feeling better about their life because of our vulnerability. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's one of our three fans. Maybe it's my dad. <laughs> maybe it's your dad. I love you, dad. So you can email us at queeringlittlewomen at gmail.com. We love our fans. We would love to hear. <laughs> yeah, we'd love you. to make that plural too. And um, this has just been a great day. Yeah, so join us next time for chapter 10, the PC and the PO. I just fucking I fucking love Meg.